Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It is that time of year again where we focus on uh, some of our favorite Christmas movies. Uh, I know last year we talked about some of our awesome Christmas movies, but uh, this is the time on Throwdown Thursday where we dance. No, that's Sprockets. That's my fault. I forgot what show I was on. I'm wearing a very tight German turtleneck, so... I forgot what show I was on for a moment here. I thought it was uh, mid-1990s Saturday Night Live. It's Nicole's fault for dressing like Mike Myers. And uh, in case Would you were you wondering... Would you like to touch my sweaty balls? Ooh. Oh, my God. Ew. In case you were wondering, my name is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, I am one of your three hosts for this uh, festival of, uh, I don't know, holiday... Delight. Well, it is Hanukkah. It is. Happy it is. Uh, it yeah. started at uh, sundown this evening. So, or yeah. two days ago. I thought it was today. Well, see, on my calendar it says <laughs> that Hanukkah starts. Well, today's Thursday. Oh yeah, that's true. See, <laughs> yeah, but see, I know today, but I'm and we're back in time. And it's God Star Wars it, Day. It last is, Jedi Day. It is the last Jedi Day. Um, you guys will be seeing it about. Well, 16 hours or something. Yeah. 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 Nine o'clock tonight. So uh, excited. Very excited. All the porgs. Give me all the porgs. I heard it's highly pornographic. Like, okay. So I know that the porgs were put there to just drive sales and for merchandising and stuff. Merchandising where the real money from the picture is made. Right? No, I, I totally get that. But like, dude, I am eating it up. Like, I am their target audience. Oh, like, yeah. Eating pork it up. me, baby. Pork me. You mean like, like the, uh, <laughs> the, the pork chops and the uh, pulled pork sandwiches we had? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, Porkins was such a big hit in, in A New Hope that they had to add someone with uh, a similar name. That's true. It's like, and I, th- I always thought he got a bad rap because he was the only plus size gentleman flying around, and they called him Porkins. Like that's that's fucked up. Um, but uh, we're already getting derailed because Star Wars is like Star Wars. Oh my god, Star Wars. Star Wars. This uh, is the place for Star Wars. I think I have a dual phase lightsaber right now because it just extended a little further. Uh, hey, <laughs> um, so yeah, my my name is Patsy the Angry Nerd. Uh, if you're just finding us for the first time, welcome. I'm sorry. And uh, that uh, lovely vote of confidence you just heard is uh, the Mistress of Merlot, Ashes von Nightmare. Hello, everyone. Happy Pork Day. Actually, no. So, speaking of porg, it was yesterday. Yesterday was take your porg to work day, and god damn it, I did. <laughs> I made sure it was okay with my lab manager, and he was like, "Uh, what's a porg?" And I was like, "What's a porg? Let me educate you." To be fair, he's Canadian, and they don't have porgs in Canada. A. Um, he's like, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about." Um, I was like, "Porgs, they're amazing." So. Patsy uh, bought me a Funko Pop Porg last week. I had a really nasty bout of bronchitis. I'm still kind of getting over it. And sometimes when I'm sick, he feels really bad. So he goes out and buys me a sick present, which is very nice of him. Um, So he bought me a Porg. And so I brought my Funko Pop Porg to work. And usually I don't take my Funkos out of the box. 
I like to keep them in the box, keep them nice, be able to stack them up. But this one, for one day only, I took it out of the box and I took pictures of it all around the lab <laughs> doing science work. And I will be posting some of those pictures on Facebook, on the Throwdown Thursday Facebook page. So if you see a bunch of science porgs, that's that's all me. You're welcome. Uh, we also are joined, of course, by the third host, the one who is most frequently in space jail, and that would be uh, the Ironborn Agent Nicole. Yay. Say something. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> Happy Star Wars Day, everybody! She is not enthusiastic about Star Wars, which is is uh, sorry. Very, very, but you enjoy upsetting. it though. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so it's it's not like she hates it. It's unbelievable. She's not like, oh my god, Star Wars. That's the I mean, worst thing ever. The prequel suck. Well, I that she you know. that's a that's a given. It's kind of low hanging fruit though. This yeah, point, right? yeah. I think it would have been much much different had uh, the original casting for Hayden Christensen gone through. And who is that? Leo DiCaprio. Oh, but he didn't want to be part of a, a. If you've noticed, he's never done like a franchise film. He doesn't really want to be part of it. And a lot of times, he's people, overrated. Yeah, you know, he's only the greatest actor of this generation. But mm. you know, yeah, you know, he's he's awful. I mean, he's not one of my favorites, but I do enjoy I mean, watching movies with him in it. He did recreate a scene from uh, Empire Strikes Back when he cut open that horse and slept inside of it. and was like, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I don't know if he said that because I actually haven't seen The Revenant still. But uh, but we own it, so we should probably watch it. Yeah, at some point. Honestly, I, I I I bought a lot of those uh, movies. Um, Black Friday. Well, yeah, I, but I bought a lot of the Leo movies, like Wolf of Wall Street, and that, so my brother could uh, have something. Because uh, do we have Wolf Wolf of yeah, Wall Street? Yeah, we have Wolf we of Wall Street. Oh, I didn't realize that. I know we have uh, the Great Gatsby. We have that. Which that that's I still another haven't one. watched. Nope, we haven't watched Wolf of Wall Street. But I either. love the book. So, and I've seen the original movie. I have yeah. read the sequel, uh, An Adequate Gatsby. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's by uh, uh, Richard Matheson, who also wrote the prequel to I Am Legend. Uh, I am rather well known. And uh, of course, as you've uh, you've also heard, uh, interjecting here and there, it's uh, the hardest working man in podcasting, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. In brightest day and blackest night, let those who worship evils might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Bam. Ooh. That's right. We got to do a Green Lantern show, or at least a Lantern ring. show. Got a ring. That's he got me a ring, a new ring, yeah. He yep. put a ring on it. So I'm gonna, he liked I it. Like so it, it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize the, the connotations there. Well, well. Although I could probably be like Hal Jordan in, I think it was issue 48 of Emerald uh, Twilight, when he's holding all the rings, looking yeah. maniacal. He had like a whole shitload of them all yeah. over his hands. Yeah. yeah. I've actually been reviewing a couple of Green Lantern comic books recently for uh, Shoot the Breeze Comics and our uh, affiliate group. Uh, comic book outlaws, pretty awesome. If you guys like comics and you like uh, different reviews, you should definitely swing on by and check out some of the stuff that we got going on. We we do independent uh, comics, like I do uh, Boom Studios uh, Power Rangers. I do uh, I do the uh, Spectacular Spider Man run that just started. Is that an indie comic? Uh, yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> Mar- Marvel yeah. Marvel Comics. Spiderman? Yeah. The the uh it's actually uh James Spaderman. Oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, there's a there's a bunch of stuff uh 
there was a, a little bit of a crossover between uh, the Green Lanterns and the uh, the uh, Batman Metal series that was going around. But it was just like a one-shot, so I have no idea what else happened because I didn't read any of the other <laughs> associated comics. But we do everything. Batman, uh, Power Rangers, there's... Uh, so there's a bunch of crazy stuff on there that like I didn't even realize were comics. So, but uh, speaking of comics, uh, good good friend of the show Justin Cooper uh, sent Ashes and I a little uh, a little care package with some some comics in it. Got some nice uh, Spider Man. Got a uh, couple of nice Batman books and a Married with Children book. And oh, nice. Ashes, there was a, a specific thing in there for you. Why don't you let the folks at home know what it is? Uh, there was a little Sam decal, Aww. a car decal. Yeah, so I'm pretty stoked to put that on Captain That's Phasma. Awesome. Once we can, car. once we can get the uh, the snow and ice and rain from falling onto the car, we can. Uh, Get that sticker around there. Yes. So thank you so much. That was so sweet of you. Thank you. Coop, we appreciate, yeah, we really appreciate it. Um. So what are we? What are we doing today? What are we doing? Stuff. We are. We are going to be talking Thanks. about uh, one of my favorite Christmas characters of all time. Christmas. Francis Xavier Cross. Folks around these parts call him Mister Cross. You may know him as Lumpy. Uh, you may also know him as Bill Murray from the 1988 uh, comedy Scrooge. I wasn't even born yet. Yep. Nicole's only like 15 minutes old. She's only four. <laughs> See what I mm-hmm. did there? You get it? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah. Doyle Murray. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, about him and his journey. We, but uh, we had an idea earlier today. Because we get those every once in a while. It's like a headache with pictures. Yeah. Um, Ashes, why don't you tell them what our idea was? Because it was essentially your idea. So I thought today for our getting into character question, because we are talking about Scrooged, which is an adaptation. See, I said it right this time. Adaptification. I could not say that. <laughs> I could like I, earlier. I was trying to say it, and I'm like ad- adaption. Adaptation. Uh, uh, no, adoption. You kept, you kept no. saying. <laughs> Adaption. <laughs> That's what you kept saying. <laughs> so, because Scrooged is an adapt adaptation, see, oh I almost did it again. <laughs> just say adapt, or just do what Dynamo does and cut out some of the uh, cut out some of the syllables, and it's an it's adaption. It's an option. It's an option. Um, of a Christmas Carol, and there are a lot of adaptations of a Christmas Carol out there, whether it be parodies on a TV show or actual movies. I was curious to hear uh, what your guys' thoughts were. What's your favorite adaptation of a Christmas Carol? And we'll start with Patsy because I kind of figure, I, I think I know which one you're going to choose. Well, we're going to be talking about it today because Francis Xavier Cross in Scrooge, like that's my favorite adaptation of, of A Christmas Carol. Um, I mean, they keep referring to it as Scrooge because that's how people know it. You know, it's one of those things where the generic version of a name speaks for, I mean, the uh, the proper name of a specific brand you know, like anytime you get you know, uh, a cut, oh, I need a Band-Aid, even though you're not getting specific Band-Aid branded bandages, everything's a Band-Aid. You know, like, you know, if people hear, 
oh, we're going to watch Scrooge, you know exactly what they're talking about. You're like, I'm going to watch A Christmas Carol. Like, wow, what is that? Some stupid Hallmark movie? Like, people don't always know exactly uh, what that is. So, yeah, I think it's my favorite. It's uh, highly quotable. Um, it gives you the same lesson, but, uh, you know, that the the story intends. It It's a pretty faithful adaptation. So I, I, I'm going to go with... With Scrooge does my favorite. So why is it your favorite? Like, what drew you to it? Well, first of all, I like Bill Murray. Um, I think that's pretty well known. Second of all, again, like I said, it's a pretty faithful adaptation. It's hilarious. Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas Present is oh God, she's fucking my amazing. Bitch, hit me with a toaster. Um, and she's also the perfect metaphor for the future. Like, I mean, the the present. If you're not really paying attention to it, it's just going to swing up and kick you in the balls <laughs> and then hit you with a toaster. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a, I've read the, the actual book. I've seen a lot of different versions of it. I've seen the French Disney version of it. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's just something about it. Like, I find it a lot easier. Like, when you see the other adaptations and you read the book, like Ebenezer Scrooge has zero likable qualities. He's just a complete prick. He's a piece of shit. He sucks. Everyone hates him because he's an asshole. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I had a dream. Now I'm the greatest man ever. Oh, buy me a goose, random sea urchin. And then, you know, at least with Bill Murray, like, there is some likability to him. Like, because he's got, like, obviously, you know, the character is, is a dick, but Bill Murray as, you know, an actor. I mean, the, his, the last movie he was in prior to this was Ghostbusters. And, you know, he was awesome in that. And he played pretty much the same character. You know, he was very eccentric, over-the-top, sarcastic and scathing. But uh, I like the way that they, they modernized it. So that's what I'm going to go with. How about uh, how about you there, uh, Scruffy, over in the corner? <laughs> I was going to say, do you not know my name? Yeah, sure I do, sport. Okay, um, so I, I've, uh, I mean, A Christmas Carol, I think everyone sh- knows it. If you don't know, well, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, uh, there's an episode of a British comedy called Black Ad- Adder, which is is kind of linked to next week's episode with uh, the same person who plays the main character in Black Adder, which is R- Rowan Atkinson. And they He's did it- the opposite guy. Uh, Black Adder's the guy who fights uh, Shazam. Anyways, a, in 1988, they do, they do a Christmas Carol. Um, it's a one-off episode, and you can see it on Netflix or Hulu. And they, it's a parody. They basically switch... The story around where his main the main character is actually the nicest person in the world and so they just switch it where he is introduced to um the uh, ghost of christmas past and he just becomes an evil asshole at the very end so it takes a twist of the original story and just changes a lot of the parts and there's a lot of um famous comedians in it like uh 
Stephen Fry and uh, Hugh Laurie and Jib Broadbent is also in it. It's a good episode. How about you, Ashes? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, so I have two. One being the like penultimate. Um, nothing can hold a candle, in, in my opinion, anyways. Nothing can hold a candle to a Muppet's Christmas Carol. So that's your second favorite. Wait, no, that that's my ultimate. That, that's like the you said penultimate. I which thought is... that meant like super ultimate. No. Okay, so my super ultimate one, <laughs> like my main, like this movie, you can't touch it because it's so great. A Muppet's Christmas Carol because fucking Muppets, dude. Um, but it stars Michael Caine as Michael Caine, Ebenezer uh, Scrooge, and We're it's got Marley and Marley. Yeah, it has a Statler and Waldorf as Jacob Marley. Jacob and Marley. And I don't know who the other one is. Well, they're 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 Marley and Marley. I know, but I I forget what his name is because. But anyways, um, I'm gonna look. Okay, you look it up. Um. But yeah, it's it's just it's the Muppets and it's Kermit the Frog is Bob Cratchit and Miss Piggy as his wife, obviously, Robin and is Robin Tim. is Tiny Tim and he does the whole God bless us, everyone. <laughs> um, but it's just fun because, you know, it, it tells a story and it tells it in that time period <laughs> that like Dickinson, Dickens, Dickinson, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dickens wrote the book in, so it's, it's true to that. But it adds that Muppet spin to it, which just makes it so unbelievably delightful. So that's my first, my top one. Now, my second one's a little weird, but I love it. And they play it on VH1 pretty much every year. It's a Divas Christmas Carol. And uh, it stars Vanessa Williams as Ebony Scrooge. And oh, she. I've seen that one. <laughs> right? Um, it's so great. So she's this very famous uh, singer, and she used to be in a group, like a girl group, um, with uh, Marley uh, Jacob, who is played by Chili from TLC. And it follows suit to the, you know, uh, A Christmas Carol story. But she's fabulous and, and, you know, but she's really just a horrible, horrible person. She's horrible to the people she works with and horrible to the people who works for, you know, who work for her. And she is visited by the ghosts. And one of the ghosts, I think it's the ghost of Christmas past, is Kathy Griffin. <laughs> and she shows up. And, and I just remember uh, Vanessa Williams, Ebony Scrooge, is like, you skinny bitch. And Kathy Griffin's like, oh, did you say skinny? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so it's Jacob just- and Robert. So it was Bob Marley was the other one. Gotcha. Okay. Again, that it's that Muppet flair, you know, that, that I just, I love. I can't get enough of it. But yeah, so my second is a, a Diva's Christmas Carol. And it might be streaming somewhere. But I mean, if you have cable, it's usually on VH1 pretty frequently during this time of year. So yeah, it's just, it's just fun. I have love you it. been watching it? Um, I haven't watched it yet this year, okay. but I'm sure I will. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I will find it. So there's there's still time. It's not Christmas yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've, I watched it last year. I watched it. I, I think I, I find it. I find it every year pretty much and I watch it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 
It's it's good. It's great. I'll Kathy Griffin was Christmas past. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to watch the Muppet when I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's very it's delightful. I think you would really enjoy it. Um, like I said, it's very true to the original story, mm-hmm. but it just has that crazy Muppet spin on it that yeah. just it's just so much fun, and uh, all of the Muppets play a part. And I love how the Muppets combine. So, you know, it's the puppets and the people. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it, it, everyone kind of is blind to yeah. the fact that they're Muppets and they're people and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, it's it's I mean, great. how it is usually. I mean, they, the Muppets always interact with humans. Like, that's their their livelihood. But but anyways, so it's that's the Muppet my... Show, yay! Um, so I think now is a really good time. Ooh, excuse me, I am burping <laughs> on air. <laughs> almost wasn't in there. I'm coughing. They thought she was sick, but turns She's out she just had a fro- th- she had a frog in her throat. <laughs> um, so I think now is a really walk good time to go to zing. break. And we come back, we will get our acts together, and uh, you'll love it. So stay tuned, kids. Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring Baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and PunchFarm.com. Keep on punching! We've come back. Uh, we were uh, we were away for a little while, but we've uh, we've come back because we missed you. We like you. We we're tolerate you. <laughs> we're friends. <clears throat> so, 
before we get into this discussion, because there will be no restraint on spoilers for this film, because, uh, well, it's older than Nicole, so... I was going to say, dude, like, it's like 30 years old, so if you haven't seen it, like, come on. Actually, like, I I own the the digital video disc, but uh, I recently purchased uh, the Blu-ray disc as well, because... uh, I just I love that movie so much. But the question I have to to start off, uh, just a little away from the microphone here, uh, Agent Nicole. Yep. Did you finish watching that movie? Yes. Because I need to know. Because when it, for me, no matter how many times I see the film, no matter how often, um, you know, it comes across. <clears throat> That ending scene gets me every time. What did you think of that ending scene with with uh, Calvin? Okay, so I don't want to offend anybody. I oh, mean, the Jesus! En- <laughs> the ending scene was great. I it it didn't like hit me or pull me at the heartstrings. Um, you are a monster. Yes, I am. Um, it was great. I mean, it's. Are you, okay, are we going to talk more about the movie, like our general feelings later on? I just yeah, like, later don't... on we can talk about it. So, all right, so we've already already established that Nicole is a heartless monster, uh, you know, with emotions of stone. So we're gonna we're gonna skip over that part for right now, uh, and we're gonna talk about our our antagonist, Francis Xavier Cross, played by the uh, inimitable William Murray who uh, at the time, like before he got this role, he was actually considering uh, retiring from show business. Or wasn't he living in Paris or something he like was. that? And he just... <clears throat> he was like... He's ready to walk away from it all? He's like, well, I have not got many roles in a long time. Because I imagine he, you know, he would be speaking... I, I, I don't believe, I believe that he you would pick speaking, up an accent that I quickly. believe he would intentionally be speaking in a fake French accent. Because he's Bill fucking Murray, and that's what he does. Okay, no, that's a, that's a solid point. Okay. Um, so he'd be sitting there in his fake French accent, you know, with a cigarette, you know, pondering life and, you know, what what he was going to do. Because we're still several years away from uh, Groundhog Day, and uh, we have not yet gotten to um, Mad Dog and Glory. So he's, you know, he's he's thinking about maybe I won't do this movie is Richard Donner uh, comes to him Richard Donner for those of you who don't know Richard Donner also uh, directed one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time uh, and I know that our good friends uh, over at both the Cabal Corner and Atomic Age Media will agree with us or agree with me uh, in that that Christmas movie being Lethal Weapon one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time Wolfie what do you what do you think you think uh, that's a fair assessment? Um, I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> it's fi- it's fine. <laughs> I mean, as a Christmas movie, I'm saying like one of the greatest Christmas movies of all nah, time. Probably not. N- really? <laughs> like it starts off at Christmas. There's Christmas music. Like Jingle Bell Rock is over the the, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's fine. Unbelievable. You know, I'm looking for backup here. (laughs) 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 
I'm looking for some sort of validation. That's all right. I know. I know what my cabal corner buddies would 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 agree. But you know, he wasn't really sure if he was going to do this, and then you know, I guess there was a lot of uh, a lot of friction on the set, according to Murray. Uh, only every day, a few times a minute. Um, I guess uh, they they both were not overly thrilled with each other, meaning Richard Donner and, and Bill Murray. But Murray used that to create this awesome character in Francis Xavier Cross, who everybody re- usually just refers to him as Frank. And we are introduced to Frank when... Because, um, like I said, it's a, it's a good modern adaptation and retelling of the classic story which is what at this point about 160 years old um instead of being you know like you know some guy i don't remember what scrooge does exactly i just remember he doesn't let bob cratchit have any coal for the fire because it costs money isn't he like a banker it's it's something around those lines like financial yeah i'm gonna Um, google it yeah yeah google it so in this instance, uh, he is uh, he is the youngest president in the history of IBC uh, TV, which is of course a fictitious network that they created solely for uh, the film. So yeah, uh, Scrooge was a quote, <coughs> a quote unquote a money lender of banks of sorts or property owner. Okay, so he was an all around like tycoon type. Yeah. Um so in this case it's a it's a little different, but you know, the main the main uh gist of the character, you know, the, the Scrooge uh character is someone who is uh really selfish, only out for themselves, um, doesn't really care about anyone or anything as long as they are uh, enriching themselves somehow. And the thing I like about this is that, like I said in in the opening thing, a lot of times the the character of of Ebenezer Scrooge isn't really given any charisma or or appeal or likability, but because Bill Murray is who he is and you know, the style of uh, acting and his just over-the-top personality. He's just very, very likable. So even when he's being a jerk, like, there are still some endearing qualities to him. Now, don't get me wrong. In this film, he is a complete jerk. Like, he has very few redeeming qualities. And every time you think, you know, something good is going to come out of something that has happened to him he turns around and proves you wrong. And I think like, that's the whole point of, of this character is he seems like he's so deeply flawed, but there are some redeemable qualities inside him. So we again introduced to him. He's in a, a, a meeting. He's looking over the advertisements for the upcoming Christmas specials. One of which is his brainchild, which is a live Adaptation. They keep referring to it as Scrooge, even though it is a Christmas Carol. Uh, with Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim and Buddy Hackett as uh, as uh, 
the titular Scrooge role. And he's like, wow, you know, that sucked. He's like, and now I have to kill all of you. Of course, he didn't kill everyone. But you see a couple of uh, Richard Donner mainstays uh, in this in this opening scene. Um most notable being the uh, the young lady who plays the mom in Goonies. I know her name is escaping me, so I am going to... No, not the Gionis. Oh, I can't spell today. But um, he unveils what he believes is a better commercial. And a uh, Mary Ellen Trainer, that's her name. And... <sighs> His whole point is he wants people to be terrified of missing the show. He wants them to to be sitting at home needing to see it to the point where the commercial has nothing to do with with Christmas, nothing to do with Scrooge, nothing to do with anything. It's, you know, acid rain melting people's faces and airplanes exploding and atomic bomb detonations. And uh, one of his employees is like, you know what? Uh, Elliot Loudermilk, played by uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, says, you know, Mr. Cross, like, I really didn't have much to do with Christmas, and so maybe it's a little over the top. And, you know, it seems like, you know, maybe maybe Frank's realizing that he's he's gone a little too far. Maybe he's not right until a second he walks away and and he tells his assistant... Who is that? Oh, that's Elliot Loudermilk. Okay, yeah, tell security to escort him out. He's done. And he watches this poor man get fired on Christmas Eve through a telescope, remarking, Elliot Loudermilk leaving early today, thinking it's a great, fun joke. And you start to see how much of a jerk he really is. Um, Now, Nicole, this was a first-time watch for you. Yes. Why don't you... uh, Give us a little bit of your impressions because you'd never seen this before. I really haven't seen much of Bill Murray films. Um, I understand the attraction that a lot of people enjoy. I mean, it's a great it's a great modernization of a Christmas Carol. Um, It wasn't my thing. Like, I feel bad for saying that because I know you don't have to like everything. I did enjoy a lot of the beginning parts where the the commercial that he his new brainchild of the commercial for Scrooge was really funny. Um, his interactions with the few characters is really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll definitely be on the Christmas list. I mean, for watching over the holidays and stuff like that. But um yeah, I mean, I see the appeal that people do, like, of Bill Murray, and, I mean, I'll explore more of his stuff in the future. I just, it wasn't, I mean, there were funny parts, and I can understand it's quotable because you have did it a lot today at work. I did. Um, it was just, it wasn't my thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You, again, you don't have to, you don't have to like everything that we see and, you know, um, and every character that we talk about. That's fine. Um. But, like, I really, I really enjoy, like, I think you need someone to play an over the top with Scrooge, and he does play it very well. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes is where he's, like, it's the next day, and one of his, um, 
one of the people from his board comes in and was like, look what happened. Your commercial killed an old lady. And I really enjoyed For some reason, I just laughed out loud at that point, at that part, because it's just like just over the top, like something you don't expect. And he like, was so excited yeah. and so happy. He's like, I want this running every hour on the hour. Yeah, so I, I thought that was just, it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. How about you, Ashes? What do you what do you think? Because I make you watch this like every year. You do. Um, but I, I join in willfully. Um, I enjoy this movie a lot. I had seen it prior to meeting Patsy and dating Patsy. Um, so it wasn't like new to me, but he it's it's definitely a Christmas obsession of his, which I have mine. So, you know, it is what it is. But I I I really enjoy this movie. I adore Bill Murray. I think he's fantastic and he's funny and again, uh hitting what both of you have said, he has that likable factor that he brings to all of his characters, including this one. So even though he's this complete just douchebag, um, you still like him. And I just love the flow of the movie. It stays true for the most part to the framework of A Christmas Carol. You know, he's visited by the ghosts and um, my favorite being Carol Kane. As the ghost of Christmas present. Oh my God, she is fantastic. She is my favorite part of the movie. She is what makes the movie for me and I eagerly await the entrance of Carol Kane every time we watch this movie. I'm like, oh my god, it's almost time. It's almost time. She's coming. She she looks like this little pixie like tooth fairy. She's so colorful and like ethereal and just just, you know, bright and she has I mean Carol Kane has this like cheerful quality like natural cheerful quality to her voice so and then she kicks him in the balls and it's she great she beats the ever loving shit that's out of that's how him. she moves him through time yeah. she's like boop and, and like you know she bitch. blows a, a, a little bit of like pixie dust onto yeah. his cheek and there's like an X there and she takes like a flying like, she start cut him I was like oh shit Christmas, well, she, okay, Christmas so present gets a little vicious when she pulls his face like pulls his lip yeah. she actually pulled it so hard he needed that stitches. he needed stitches <laughs> and they had to halt shooting for a couple of days oh wow because she was so like aggressive with him and apparently like they're friends in real life yeah. so she felt really bad having to kick his ass all over the set <laughs> but at the same time it's so fun to watch because it he's kind of well because he's such an asshole like yeah. the character is such an asshole he's finally getting his with her character mm-hmm. and she's so just tiny and petite but she kicks his ass and yeah. it's so great um i love that part but getting back to um the frank cross character i like the character arc that we see the character development and one of the things that i think is so cool about a christmas carol like the story itself is when you're present you're presented this character when you first meet the character he's crotchety and blah you know the, the, the typical ebenezer scrooge character you you don't like him he's very you know just douchey and grumpy and a horrible person but you get to know this character through the appearance of the three ghosts you know so you get the ghost of christmas past so you come in and typically you see that okay you know and the the ghost of christmas past 
what the the visions, the dreams, whatever you want to call them, that they see are always very humanizing situations. You know, in this particular um, movie, you know, you see how he was treated as a child. Like his mom By was his father, <laughs> Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah, um, you know his dad was a horrible person, and I, I don't see. I disagree at that. I don't think his dad was a horrible person. I just think his dad didn't know how to be a dad. Yeah, like his, you know, his uh, manner of child rearing was different from most people's idea of what good child rearing would be. He did what he could. Like, he was a man who worked really hard and, you know, did what he could for his kid. You know, like, what did he get, you know, little Frankie for uh, for Christmas? He got him five pounds of veal. Because you know, what four-year-old wouldn't <clears throat> want five buy pounds of veal? Santa for a choo-choo. Well, then get a job and buy a choo-choo. And then, you know, the mom's like, oh, come on, leave him alone, Earl. He's only four. It's like, all day long, I have to listen to people give excuses about why they can't work. My back hurts. My legs ache. I'm only four. The sooner he learns that life isn't handed to you on a silver platter, the better off he'll be. And then a couple minutes later, they, you know, Bill Murray and the ghost of Christmas past walk out, and he's, like, crying. He's like, oh, if I had that, that, uh, that feel now, like, the amount of money, like, 45. What he says, because... The ghost tells him he's going to cry, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like, yeah, I can handle it. And he goes, Attila the Hun said <laughs> the exact same thing, but when he saw his mother, Niagara, Niagara Falls. <laughs> and so, you know, the mom is pregnant with the, the younger brother at this Christmas, and she's like, don't watch too much TV. She's like, I love you, Frankie Angel. I love you too, Mommy. And, like, you know, he starts crying because the emotion has overwhelmed him, and the ghost offers him a, a a handkerchief. He's like, Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. And they go outside, and he's like, he's crying. He takes it away from him all indignant. He goes, I was touched by a gift. Child receives what, what in today's market would be a $50 piece of milk-fed veal. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that part. That was a good one. I mean, the one of the biggest differences that you see is the interaction between the ghosts and... And, you know, their subject in this case, yes. Frank, mm-hmm. because in, you know, in the uh, in the original Dickens story, like the ghosts were pretty much hands off. They were just like, hey, take a look at this. Look at what's going on. Do you see this? You know, and the, the ghost of Christmas present was like this this, you know, jolly, almost Santa Claus looking guy. Like he's a big Barry White looking motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> he's just like jolly with all this food and like, you know, he's very happy. And, and, you know, you see the ghost of Christmas past in this one who uh, it was a real. Di- First of all, he steals Ed- Elliot Loudermilk's booze right out of his hand. <laughs> then. uh he walks through the door of of uh, Frank's childhood home, and they're like, "Oh, I guess my dad hasn't gotten around to putting up the Christmas lights." It's Christmas Eve, Frank. <laughs> so he like walks through the wall, and like Frank goes to do the same thing, but he just like smashes into it because he's not a ghost; he's real, he's solid. So he walked face first, and then uh, Buster Poindexter sticks his face. I don't stop Buster Poindexter sticks his face out, and he's like. 
It's like, I love that bit. Like, they're tormenting him and, like, taunting him. I mean, a lot of it is for comedic effect, but a lot of it is to kind of put him in his place because this is what he does to other people. Well, and not only that, I think that it kind of helps reinforce the lesson that he learns because in other versions of A Christmas Carol, like you said, the ghosts are very hands-off. They just show him things. In in this version, the ghosts are are not only showing him things, but like also being very hands-on. Very personable. So, right. But like kicking his ass David yeah. both Johansson. literally and figuratively yeah you know so it's almost like not only are they showing him things but they're kicking his ass into shape so when he does have his like pivotal like epiphany moment it makes more sense you know like not only did he see things that he didn't want to see that was you know things that were very unpleasant but he also had his ass handed to him by these three ghosts and you get to see um <clears throat> when he's with the ghost of Christmas present, when he's with Carol Kane, see, he has this uh, assistant named Grace, who is a single mother with three kids, the youngest being Calvin. Uh, and then they live with her mother as well. So it's the five of them in this small apartment. Now, Frank lives in like this super nice place because he's rich and, you know, he doesn't uh, pay, pay his assistant shit. Like when they're, when they're giving out the uh, Christmas boni, the choices are, you know, the gifts are either a VCR or a towel. And, you know, he's going through the list. She goes, how about this person? He's like, towel. She goes, what about your brother? He's like, towel. You know, like, you know, certain people that are influential in the business, he'll give them the nice top-of-the-line pioneer VCR. Um, and he's like, oh, and Grace, put yourself down for a towel, too. So... <clears throat> one of the things and because uh he takes uh she takes the Bob Cratchit role mm-hmm. and her son doesn't speak so instead of being you know crippled he just doesn't speak and you know you get to see a little bit of uh of that exposition at the beginning when she's like oh I can't work late tonight because I have to I have to um Go to the doctor. Yeah, I have to take my son to the doctor. I made this appointment months ago, and you know, and that's the night that he gets visited by the original ghost, the the Jacob Marley proxy. And uh, you know, Frank has a gun in his desk and starts shooting at this apparition, and he's shooting him. He's like, "Ba bang, ba bang, ba bang," and uh, the ghost turns around and goes, "I don't mind you hitting me, Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi, because <laughs> he's just shooting right through him and hitting all the booze." Um, so. The ghost of Christmas present is is talking to him. She's beating the living shit out of him. And she's telling him, she's like, relax, close your eyes. You know, just imagine moonbeams and rainbows and whiskers on kittens and sun-dappled pools. And she blows some, like, fairy dust on him. And that's where the X on the side of his face comes from. And she, like, goes across the room and then takes a flying start. She goes, oh, there's little Mr. Hedgehog. Where is he going? Perhaps to Harlem and punches him dead in the face. And, like, that he appears outside of Grace's apartment. And, you know, he's like, oh, well, what's wrong with this? You know, what's wrong with her kid? Because he's watching the interaction of the family, just like in the original in the original story. And he's like, well, what's, what's wrong with the kid? She's like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't speak. Ever since he saw his father murdered in front of him. And on TV, they just happen to have, you know, one of the adaptations of A Christmas Carol on. 
And I mean, it is Christmas Eve. So he's like, he's like, oh, Grace's husband died. And Carol Kane looks at him. She's like, don't you remember that period when she wore black for a year? And he's like, I thought it was just a fashion thing. You know, people were wearing black. You know, like, and it shows how oblivious he is mm-hmm. to other people's needs and desires and, like, their personal life. Like, as long as they're taking care of what he needs, he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, I noticed she wore black for a year, but I had no idea her husband died. Like, I'm supposed to pay attention to these little things? Well, and kind of kind of backtracking a little bit, kind of going back to the ghost of Christmas past, um, you see that he wasn't always like that, obviously. You know, he found himself in a relationship with Claire... Karen Allen. Okay. Yes. I I young Karen Allen. D- does it for you? Yeah, young Karen Allen. You know, okay. Indiana Jones. Uh original Indiana Jones. Really nice lady. I haven't met her, but yeah, she's she's, she's so freaking adorable. She just she's so cute. Um and she's she is a great actress, like in everything she's in. I just like Ash's expression. I just want to finish my thought. I know. Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you see him in this in this very happy, loving relationship. You know, Claire and Lumpy. Um, she, you know, they met as she whapped him in the head with a door uh, coming out of a store, and you know. They went off to get Chinese food together, and he bought her a set of knives. The Ginsu knives, cause, and he says to her, you know, I never liked a girl enough to get her 12 sharp knives before. Why haven't you bought me knives? Because I'm smarter than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he wants to live to see another day. Um, so you you see that he wasn't always like this. And you see that he um, kind of started from the bottom. He worked in the mailroom and uh, caught the eye of, who is it, Lou Hayward? Lou Hayward. Yeah. Um, you know, and then slowly Because he was working started, through the Christmas party. Right. And then slowly started replacing his personal life and obligations with work invita- invitations. Excuse me. Um, you know, he and Claire were supposed to go out with some friends to dinner and she stopped by to see him. It's when he was doing the Frisbee the dog show. He was dressed as Frisbee the dog. And Lou Hayward was like, hey, we have an extra place at dinner. Come to have come have dinner with us. And Claire was there and was like, well, come on. Like we have we have an obligation. We have to go see our friends. And, you know, he was like, well, go on without me. I'm going to go to dinner with him. And obviously he slowly chooses this this job, this opportunity, this promotion, this whatever. Yeah, because at the, at the time, that's when she says, I think maybe we need to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah, and she ultimately breaks it off because she sees what he's becoming. And, you know, he is oblivious to it, obviously, but he's seeing it, you know, standing on the sidelines with the ghost of Christmas past. So when you jump to uh, the interactions with the ghost of Christmas present and Grace and her family, like you see that again, like he was oblivious to what was going on in front of him, but he's really starting to feel something you know, being a passenger on the sidelines watching all of this unfold. Yeah, when he kind of takes a step back to look around and, like, really see... Because even part of the uh, 
the the storyline with Grace because you I mean not Grace with Claire like you see her first um, through you meet her first through a phone call because what happens is uh, you know Lou Hayward comes and visits Frank at the at the at the beginning to tell him like you will be visited by three ghosts and you know this is what's going to go on and, and he's like oh you were a, you were a titan of industry he's like yeah I was uh, I was a what do you say? Feared by men and adored by women, and <laughs> and he's like, ha! "Lou, come on! You paid for the women." And uh, and uh, you know, he he kind of like you know he gives them all this information, and after Frank has like the, this vision, he w- kind of wakes up like in his chair. The phone automatically dials a phone number, and he has no idea what's going on, but it's a, a voicemail that picks up, or an answering machine at this point. Um, and he freaks out, and she comes down to the studio to talk to him, like the TV studio, while they're rehearsing and everything. And uh, she starts calling him Lumpy, and like this random guy's like, oh, excuse me, Lumpy. He's like, folks around here call me Mr. Cross. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm new here. But, like, you instantly, like... They're trying to get Dormice uh, on the show because the head of the network thinks that cats and dogs will be watching TV, like, and they'll be programming specifically for TV. And that is actually true. Like, Roku has programming for cats and dogs. Yeah. Like, specific channels. So this guy was actually ahead of his time. He was He was correct, which is weird. But he... Uh, you know, Frank's like, oh, the super glue's not working? Just use staples. Like, you know, it's, it's it's a situation. They're just mice. And Claire freaks out, and she's like, oh, my God, you know. And he's like, same old Claire, still trying to save the world. She goes, yep, you still trying to run it? You know, like, that kind of, like, you know, it sums up their relationship, like, really quickly. And, you know, without a lot of, you know, backstory and exposition, which you later get, but <clears throat> now, Nicole, what were you expecting out of this film when I first said I, I wanted to cover this character and see what, uh, you know, what what did you think this was going to be like? Had you Did you know that it was going to be uh, an adaptation? Yeah, I knew. I've heard that it was an adaptation from a few people, so I, I kind of figured, I was like, okay... It's basically a modernized A Christmas Carol, and I did research before watching the film, so I try to like get a head start of like what to expect. So I kind of spoiled myself a little bit from kind of prepping before watching the film instead of watching the film first and going in. Um, I. Unbelievable. That's not me. Oh, I think that was my phone. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know. I. I mean, it. It's. It's funny. I. I was. I. I didn't think I was gonna laugh as much as I did, just because I'm not very familiar with Bill Murray and his work. So. That's another question I have for you. How are you not familiar with Bill Murray and his work? I. I I'm not really sure how to answer that. I just I guess I'm not really 
I don't know. I just am not. I mean, I've seen. I, I mean, I haven't seen, but I know that he's in certain movies like Groundhog Day and Lost in Translation and um, a lot of Wes Anderson films. But I just never kind of. Caddyshack stripes. I have not seen Caddyshack. Oh my god! Sorry, I. <laughs> I think I might cry. Sorry to be a disappointment. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where it's just what I've been influenced in my life personally. It's just not those films that I was introduced to as a young kid. Now I'm watching it. I'm like, okay. All right. Goal get- goal for this week's this week's uh, Facebook group. Give us we we're because we're struggling to come up with programming for the next year. Like we haven't chosen anything yet. Not that we're struggling, we just haven't attempted. Uh, I'm gonna put a poll up. Things that Nicole has five, to watch and see how many times she offends somebody. Five <laughs> Bill Murray characters that we'll cover throughout the year. Like the top five, uh, and we'll we'll have people vote on it. See what everybody thinks. Okay. Because we have to we have to get Nicole to watch some of these movies. Now, Ashes, when you first saw this movie, what did what were you expecting? What were you thinking that you would see from Bill Murray? Well, what I would love to do is kind of finish my train of thought, seeing as you keep cutting people off. Listen, that's what I do. They call me the incisor. So, I just um, made that up. We haven't even talked about the ghosts of Christmas future. The ghosts of Christmas yet to come. Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. Yet to come is future. So are we going to talk about it? Was that your plan or were you just going to wrap it up? No, I was going to talk about that. Okay. But I was trying to, you know, before we did that, I just wanted to get people's opinions because I know that, you know, we had very differing exposure on this film. So I was just curious. Well, my dad was a Bill Murray fan. Yeah, I, grew, I, I grew up watching Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Like for Christmas one year, I actually bought him the gopher that dances. I'm all right. Um, my mom still has it. It's next to her bed. Aww. He still works. Um, he's actually wearing one of my dad's hats now. So it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I grew up watching Bill Murray films. So it's just one of those things that has always followed me throughout life. Um, it's one of those... Uh, Dad paid the cable bills, so he controls the remote. So if you want to sit in the living room and watch TV, you're going to watch what he watches. My dad didn't talk like that. He didn't sound like that at all. (laughs) I don't know why I'm making him sound like that. Um, So it's one of those, you know, if you wanted to hang out in the living room and play or whatever, if you wanted, excuse me, if you wanted to spend time with dad, you were going to watch what he wanted to watch. And Bill Murray movies were on TV a lot. Um, so yeah, that it was just it was just kind of like a staple of my childhood. I grew up watching it, and you know, developed uh, through exposure slash forced exposure, um, developed an appreciation for his his brand of comedy and his talent. And that's yeah, that's I'm just you know curious because I you know, that's pretty much how. So I mean, when I when I saw this, I mean, obviously, I knew I was I I knew it was. A, a version of A Christmas Carol. Um, and I just expected it to be fun. You know, I expected it to be uh, Bill Murray. Um, 
I mean, not okay. So not always, but he always has this way of taking his characters to that point. Now, it depends on the character as as what that point is, but he always goes overboard with the character in a good way, like Caddyshack. You know, the accent that he was... Yeah, the accent that he was doing, his mannerisms and stuff. Bill Murray is an excellent character actor. So, you know, I was expecting nothing less from him in this in this role um and where i had seen it you know at such a such a young age like i i you know i couldn't really develop that first time exposure opinion because i've just i don't remember my first time seeing it i just remember that oh i've seen this before i appreciate it more as an adult i've always loved the carol kane part you know bitch hit me with a toaster like i always thought that was hilarious i'm like ah bitch you know but you know when you're five that's hilarious um but i i've always loved that part and it's just enjoyable and it's still enjoyable and still you know watchable like patsy said it's something that we watch every christmas so at at least once every christmas season so so that's it See, the reason I wanted to get a little bit of a segue before we get into the last part, because I know that, you know, you know, between you and I, like, that's a, you know, there's a connection there, you know, to, you know, our childhood. I know, Nicole, you're just seeing it, and you weren't a huge fan, and which is, which is fine, you know, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla, you know, there's... You know, and strawberry. <laughs> strawberry is my favorite. Um... I think, like, if I was able to watch it without any interruptions, like, unfortunately, like, I had internet con- issues, connection, adaption, adaption, options, and con- issues. We're doing con- so good, you know, so good. I, so for me, seeing it in like broken pieces and broken parts, I feel like if I watched it in a full run, yeah, if you watch it in one continuous stream, it would be a better. I would have a better opinion, a better feeling about it. Like I, you know, it's funny. Like I did laugh. I just I think maybe if I had watched it in one continuous stream without any interruptions, I think I probably would have I appreciated it more. But like, you know, I can understand why a lot of people enjoy it. I understand why you guys really enjoy it. I'm sure like if I watch it again and maybe watch it for me, I need to watch it a few times to really kind of, you know, marinate that opinion or marinate that idea. I think maybe I would enjoy it a little bit more. See, I think I, I that was partly my fault because I kept forgetting to bring the it's uh, not your fault. digital video disc in. But anyways, how about we talk about the ghosts have... Well, that's, that's where I'm getting to because I think that the ending uh, to this movie, no matter, like I said, no matter how many times I've seen this, um, it always gets to me. So when he thinks he, <laughs> he thinks he's meeting... The ghost of Christmas present. Like he's he's starting to become unhinged with everything that he's seeing. Like it's really taking a toll on him. And you know the head of the network has brought in this other guy, Bryce Cummings, to kind of help oversee what's going on because you know he's worried that this is too much for Frank because Frank is doing so much. Like you know they've got this live you know TV event you know 
He talks about how at one point they're going to have the Pope bless the entire Zulu nation. And they're like, we're thinking it's the largest baptism in, in history, you know, and, you know, he's just going on and on about all these like ridiculous things that they're trying to do. And, you know, that's when the, the, the head of the network is just like, you know, that's, you know, kind of what I'm worried about. Like, you know, maybe you're spreading yourself too thin. So I'm bringing in this other guy. And this guy is like this aggressively douchey character. He's just, oh, he's just the worst. And, you know, as big of a jerk as Frank is, like, you are meant to hate this guy. So we get to see Elliot Loudermilk again who has had just the shittiest day. Like, he buys a bottle of booze, and, you know, the ghost of Christmas past drives by and swipes it from him. Then they show him later on, he bought another bottle of booze, but the cab that Frank is in splashes him, and the bag that he's drinking from gets wet, and the bottle falls through and smashes on the ground, and in, you know, typical Bobcat Goldthwaite, style he screams at him and he's like you stinky dog <laughs> so funny um and then he needs some money so he donates blood and he donates too much blood and passes out and a homeless guy steals his wallet so he's had a shitty day so he comes back after frank gets his horrific visions of Christmas yet to come. And he finally gets to the point where like, oh my God, I need to change. I'm going to change. Don't. Because in in the original uh, telling of the story, we see Ebenezer is directed to his own grave. Uh, there's even a Simpsons version of this where Homer gets directed to his own grave and the spirit's pointing at him and he's like, unloved by Al. And it's like tapping on the thing. Oh, unloved by all. <laughs> So, like, in this, you know, retelling, instead of having him visit his own grave and see that no one's mourning him and no one cares that he died, he sees his brother and his sister-in-law cremating him, and then all of a sudden he's inside the coffin burning, and he's screaming, and he's freaking out, and he's losing his mind. And- well, I mean, that's that's after he sees that Grace has pretty much put Calvin in a mental institution. Yes. And he sees he never spoke. that Claire had heeded Frank's words and shunned the homeless because Claire was actually like she volunteered with the homeless and she was such a do-gooder and Frank was making fun of her for it. Said, and- scrape him off, Claire. If you want to save somebody, save yourself. Right. So he sees that she took his advice, quote unquote, um, you know, to be part of of the elite he actually finds one of the homeless people Herman. that Claire was caring for frozen to death in an alleyway and no it was under the uh, the sewer grate okay well he finds the guy frozen to death and it jolts him and especially and then because he sees, that guy asked him for two dollars yes um, and then he's pointed to, you know, he's brought to where Claire is and he sees her and she's surrounded by all of these prim and proper ladies and she's wearing a hat because that's a status symbol in the 80s. If you're if you're a rich lady, you wear a hat um, and that's uh, very fancy hat. Though. Very. Yeah. So fancy. So fancy. She has like very white um, makeup. 
you know, and very red lips and, and, you know, she's just talking down about the, the little people who she used to help. So, you know, yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, Frank sees this and it's just like, this isn't her. This she's no, she would never do this. And, and then you see him, um, you know, at his, his cremation, uh, ceremony with only his brother, and his sister-in-law in attendance, and then he he finds himself in the coffin, being burned to death. Now, I feel for me that that would jolt me even more than just being like, "This is your grave," you know, "This is your tombstone." It's a little darker. You're yeah. dead. Yeah. No, you're fucking burning to alive, burning to death. You know, uh, in in your coffin like that. That's just you know, and that's ultimately what what jolts him to you know becoming. A, a good person and that's what I think makes this whole thing believable is the fact that you know it wasn't just little things it was big things that happened to him through this journey that makes his character development you know this whole 180 that he does it makes it so much more believable because you know he just watched himself like he felt himself being burned alive yeah. like oh my god um yeah, and then see, no, go ahead go ahead no no go ahead i was gonna say i was gonna ask you about the ending <clears throat> but well see that's the the ending part is a little bit convoluted like when he is you know he finally gets out of the whole ghost of christmas present thing and he finds Herman and he's in you know this underground you know underneath like a sewer grate and he sees Herman and Herman has frozen to death and Herman had asked him at the you know he starts yelling at him he's like why didn't you why didn't you stay with Claire you're so stupid you'd be warm you'd have food you know you'd be a prettier color that's for sure you know and you know Herman's just sitting there and he's got a smile on his face but he's he froze to death and so Frank is trying to get out of wherever he is, and he busts through this door, and the door leads right to the set where where uh, they're rehearsing and everything, and you know he's 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 losing it, he's becoming unhinged, and he runs into the guy who's playing the uh, you know ghost of Christmas yet to come, and he's like, "I'm ready, bring it on, you pussy." And they're like, oh, what are you doing scaring Frank? And then he feels like a freaking idiot because, you know, it's just a guy in a costume and he's thinking it's like the actual ghost. And so he goes up to his office and, you know, the ghost is reaching for him through the TV and right as it's about to grab him, here comes Elliot Loudermilk, the guy that he fired earlier in the day, and he's got a shotgun. He starts shooting at him and... You know, he's freaking out because he's drunk and, and his, he's telling him about his day. He's like, yeah, you know, this happened. You know, you see some of the things that happened to him throughout the day because his journey and Frank's journey are kind of intertwined. And, you know, he talks about how, like, his wife left him, took their baby, you know, and he's like, I'm telling you, you got to believe me. I've had a much worse day. <laughs> and so finally he corners him. He's got the shotgun pointed right at him. He's like, "Can I have a head? St- can I, can you give me a running start?" So then that's how he, you know, he j- just barely escapes into the elevator, and that's when he runs into the real uh, ghost. But this time, mistaking it for, you know, <laughs> mistaking it for a guy in a costume, because it's like kind of like 
encroaching on his personal space. He's like, back off, man. That might work with the chicks, but it doesn't work on me. And he's like, he's looking at him, and he's huge, and he's got like this weird, uh, instead of like just a uh, an empty hood, um, it's almost like a TV screen is there, and like, you know, you see like a kind of staticky picture of a skull, and he's like, oh, may I? And he like looks under the robe, and like, you know, all you see is like a rib cage with like trapped souls in it. He's like, our people do that? We're going to get phone calls, you know, which is a callback to what happened with the woman that got killed watching. She had a heart attack watching the uh, the ad. And <laughs> you see him go through, you know, the, the stuff with Claire and, you know, she realizes he's right. She's like, oh, you know, she even says at the end, she goes, thank God a friend of mine, you know, you know, brought me to my senses. And she's like, thanks a lot, Lumpy. And as she says it, a tear rolls down her face. So, so it's like, you know, he knows that's a possible future, but he knows that if this is a future that happens, he, you know, she wouldn't be happy. You know, so he realizes, you know, again, like he's hurt this one person who's ever loved him and who he ever loved, like the one person he had real feelings for. And so, you know, he goes through all his visions and he realizes he's alive. And, you know, there's this insane <laughs> sequence of events with Elliot Loudermilk. And then, you know, we come to the end and we come to Frank interrupting the live TV broadcast, you know, and, you know, professing his his undying love for Claire and and, you know, talking about like the spirit of the season and like how things have changed. And he gives this heartfelt speech, you know, and Claire runs outside to hail a taxi and it just happens to be the, the ghost of Christmas past. And she goes, can you get me to the IBC building in three minutes? What floor? <laughs> like, that's such a great fucking line. But he's sitting there and he's giving this, like, impassioned, heartfelt speech. And, like, I'm not even going to attempt to to recreate it or anything because it's just, it's so well done. And you see the genuine emotion in his performance. And finally, you know, Calvin is there with Grace. And, like, Cal- you know, he walks over to Frank and, like, tugs on him. And he looks down and he goes, did I forget something, big man? And Calvin just looks up at him and says, God bless us, everyone. The first words he's spoken in years. And his mom's all excited. And he's like, that's the part that gets me every goddamn time, every single time. Like, it just, I can't, I can't watch it without getting a little misty every single time I see that. I love that part of the movie. Like, I, I, I was telling Ashes, I was like, I know it's a comedy, but, like, that hits you every time. And Nicole's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. It wasn't really that big of a deal. So what? So if some kid talked, I don't care. Kids talk all the time. My heart is made of lead. I am ironborn. I pay the iron price. That kid didn't pay the iron price. He sucks. So, but yeah, like, the ending is just... And then it's it's great because all of a sudden Elliot Loudermilk is on his side, so he's up in the uh, in the booth making sure that the show stays live and like they don't cut away and they don't do anything. And uh, <laughs> the head of the TV network is like, "I want to know who put who put that idiot on TV." And he's like, "Oh, it was Bryce Cummings, sir." And he's like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, he can't come to the phone because he's a little tied up." And of course, he is literally tied up. And. Uh, uh, he just He's like, oh, he wanted me to tell you that you're a flatulating butthead? And the guy's like, butthead? And he kicks his cat like, 
goes, yeah, he said he never felt this way about a man before. There was just something about you. And, like, the guy's freaking out, which, you know, not something you would really see today because it's, it's, uh, it's not, not, not cool to be like, oh, oh, my God, someone's gay? That's terrible. Like, so... I mean that's my impression. Ashes, what was what's your impression of the of the ending here? Like we already talked to Nicole uh, Heart of Stone over there. Uh, what did, what did you think? Like when you know rewatching it, it's nice. Wow, that's messed up. What? No, it's nice. It's a nice ending. Yeah, it's, it's a, a nice. I ending. don't get all choked up like you do. Listen, it's I don't listen. I mean, it's, like it's a nice ending. It's it's a bed. cute ending. I think it's an appropriate ending. Yeah. You know that speech that he gives at the end is very nice, very heartfelt. Um, you know, everyone comes together, and then you know, little they sing. Sing kumbaya. Yeah, and then they they, they all sing. Um, you know, little black babies like God bless us, everyone. His and name is Calvin. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a baby. <laughs> he is a big boy. But oh my god, I'm dying. Holy crap. Don't um, die. Goddamn bronchitis. Um so I, I it's nice. It's a very nice fitting appropriate ending to to the movie and you know, it makes you feel the feels or whatever. It definitely makes Patrick feel the feels. <laughs> um <laughs> I have two words for you. White Christmas. Shut up. Yeah. That's a good one. I cry at that one. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that but, 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 again, but I'm the I'm asshole. Old, but I'm like, I'm made of stout over here, so. Whatever. Yeah, you are. Um, but I, I, it's enjoyable. The whole movie from, from start to finish is, is very enjoyable. Especially Carol Kane. Yeah. She was the best part. So I think with, uh, with that being said, we are. Uh, going to go ahead and bring this discussion to a close. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll uh, preview next week's show. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some stuff we have going on and how you can be a part of it. And uh, I'm going to wrap up. So, uh, yeah, so let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebag. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. 
Hello, this is the Sasquatch, aka Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. And we're back. You know, we should put out like a greatest hits uh, compilation of like the shit we talk about off the air. <laughs> you people would not believe some of the shit we talk about. <laughs> we lead, we lead very colorful lives. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, God. it's it's interesting. <laughs> so, all right, I think overall, uh, you know. That was a good conversation. I, I encourage you to go see the movie. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. It's streaming on uh, Amazon. If you, uh, I was like, "What movie?" For a second, I'm like, Christ. "Yeah, go see the movie." Where Where is it playing, Patrick? <laughs> the movie that Nicole hates. I don't hate it. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. You make me sound like I'm like the biggest villain here. You are a villain. You're always in jail. Always in jail. Okay. Listen, non-villains don't go to jail all the time. <laughs> Except for Jailman, but that's like his power. <coughs> I don't know if that's a real guy or not. So you can see it on <clears throat> Hulu. You can buy buy a streaming option on YouTube. I didn't do that. I, I just purchased the the Blu-ray digital, digital video disc everything package. Because I I just love the movie. It was streaming on Netflix for a while. I did. Re- I it was. Um, then it stopped. I think they've they've cleared it out for other other stuff. I mean, who knows how Netflix does their does their stuff? But um, so we've got some things that we uh, we want to share with you. We've uh, we're failures again. <laughs> we failed. Listen, we're, we're horrible illnesses. Is, and sicknesses, and mainly it's a Nicole lot of Hall. other isnesses. Why are you fucking blaming <laughs> me? Yeah. So obviously, in case you couldn't tell, um, we forgot to put up the poll for last week's battle, which was the Stranger Things kids versus the Goonies, and we were arguing about whether or not Eleven would have her powers and whatnot. <laughs> Um. Yeah, yeah I and and now, yeah. I mean, we just completely forgot. I was out of. I mean, w- well, to in 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 all honesty, we actually really did have a crazy week last week. We all worked together, and it was a fucking ridiculous week at work. Like I was working twelve, thirteen hour days. We were supposed to go see Thor, and, and we didn't. Yeah, we were supposed to go see Thor, and date night didn't happen because I just I was just working too much, and and life was just crazy, and it also gets really crazy around this time of year, um, you know, just with with the holidays and trying to get our shit together and yeah, date Christmas night shopping. Was work, and it was and like the worst date night. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like I'll make you a sandwich in the lunchroom. I need these expense <laughs> reports oh, by really five. Cute. That was really cute. You came over. I was coming out of one of our coworkers' office. 
and you brought the sandwiches, and Patrick comes out the door. I made you a sandwich. I was like, oh, that's really good. I was having a shit day today. I made him sandwiches. Sandwiches make everything better. Um, So, long story short, uh, the battles will return in 2018. Bigger and better. We have some things planned. Celebrity Jeff Let's get (laughs) on! Um, So, you know, real battles, real, like, cage matches. (laughs) Agent Nicole versus Patsy. My money's on Agent Nicole. (laughs) Agent Um, Nicole's going to fight a bunch of orphans (laughs) for their freedom. So, we have some stuff planned in the new year, and we will talk about that in later episodes, but uh, we do have something super fun and awesome going on right now, and that is our first annual Throwdown for Charity event. So, we are calling out all of you do-gooders and good-doozers. It's time for the first annual Throwdown for Charity Extravaganza. This time of year is perfect for spreading kindness, and we want to reward you for it. Send us a picture of you being charitable. Uh, It could be a receipt for a monetary donation or a picture of stuff that you've bought to donate or you out there there being uh, out there being a charity or you out there being awesome in your community. The sky is the limit and we will enter you into a drawing for one of our fabulous prizes. More pictures of charitable, charitable goodness. Why am I in charge of talking? Oh my goodness. The more pictures of charitable goodness that you post means more chances of awesome freaking prizes. Uh, pictures can be posted on the Throwdown Thursday podcast Facebook page. Sent to our email address, the uh, Throwdown Thursday podcast at gmail.com. No, the just Throwdown Thursday podcast. Yeah, that's what I said. You said the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm just clarifying. So if somebody sends it to the Throwdown Thursday podcast, they, it won't get through to us. Okay. Um, or you can hit us up on Twitter. Patrick is at Patrick Rahal. Nicole is at Nick Tompkins. And I am at Miss Vaughn Nightmare. The prizes that we have, we are actually still getting prizes in. So we will be posting those ASAP and we'll be giving you directions as to how to enter to win these prizes. Some of it you have seen. Um, so the deadline, but we will, yeah, so we will get these pictures up ASAP and uh, we'll show you all of the cool shit that you could win. And s- shout out to all of those really awesome people who have donated to yes, our cause. Yes. Um, Meg Foster, Brian O'Halloran, uh, Samantha Newark, our buddy Steve. Yeah, Steve uh, Van Sampson, who's just on the show, yeah. our buddy Amber Fallon. Um, good people. These are all just fucking fantastic people and who while we were on the air uh recording this uh we received a couple of entries from our good friend crazy rachel oh yes i did see she uh some of you may have recently seen the very sad uh video from national geographic of the polar bear uh starving to death so she actually sponsored a polar bear and cub so that's you know just an example of some of the stuff that uh that you can do she uh, also was donating some makeup for like the giving tree thing that they're doing where she works so that's just a couple of examples of stuff that you can do 
So the deadline for entering is December 25th. That's Christmas. And you have until like midnight, um, Christmas night, to submit your uh, pictures. And we will be drawing winners live in studio on December 26th. We are recording that Tuesday. We will be going Facebook Live. So you, you will be able to see all of our beautiful faces. I apologize and in me. advance. <laughs> and Patrick. So... Any questions, uh, just ask. Um, you know, hit us up on, you know, the Facebook page or shoot us an email or whatever. And definitely just get out there and spread the love this season because uh, things are crappy, but <laughs> you can make someone happy. Hi, Rob. <laughs> do good. You'll get something. Get do good thing. Do good shit. You do good. <laughs> 2017. Do, do, do good, good shit. shit. <laughs> that is what we call a callback. Ayo. <laughs> that was from a while ago. Yeah, that was. That was from like a year ago. <laughs> wow, we're good. We are. So, yeah. Do good shit, everybody. Hashtag like I said, it could, be, it could be anything. Like I said, you know, Rachel just posted a couple of things. You know, the just those are Take just a selfie of you walking an old lady. Yeah, you cross, know, crosses. Preferably a lady who needs to cross the street. Yes. What are you doing? I don't need to go that way. My home is the other. So I can't take one of with my mom, like trying to walk her. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. You could have one of her throwing you out of the car, or you just leaping out of the car. Yeah, I was gonna say I was the one who leaped out of the cars. So. So, guys, what are we talking about next week? I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this off to Agent Nicole because this was her. This is mine. Um, so next week we are going to talk about one of um, British culture, but ultimately um, a well-known character from a lot of different countries. Um, we're going to be talking about Rowan Rowan's Rowan Atkinson's um, Mr. Bean. I thought you were going to be like way more like, oh, and this is what we're going to be doing, and it's so great, and just like, yeah, we're talking about. You're just not enthusiastic. Are today. you going to pick on Nicole all episode? I know. Listen, Next episode all you've is- done is cut me off and pick on Nicole all freaking episode. That is not true. You're such you a were wrench. so yes. Listen, that wrench. was last year's episode. How well, see the Grinch part two. Too. You'll work on Christmas or you're out of a job. Such a Scrooge. Uh, go Scrooge yourself. <laughs> oh, that was good. That should be the episode. <laughs> <laughs> go Scrooge yourself. That is better than what I was originally yeah, thinking. Let's just go with that. Merry Christmas, everyone. Go Scrooge yourself. <laughs> I like that. That was good. All right, yeah, that'll be the title of the episode. Uh, so I think with that being said... On that note... We... we and, oh, my God, Nicole's done. We will... We'll see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. Go Scrooge yourselves!